This episode of Gotta Watch is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months for free at tryexpressvpn.com slash gotta watch. That's T-R-Y expressvpn.com slash gotta watch. What we're gonna do right here is go back. Way back. Back into time. <laughs> gotta watch. What I do, you're listening to the Gotta Watch Podcast, your weekly guide to all the must-see movies and talked-about TV shows. I'm your host, Bruno, and with me this episode is the Brad to my Chad, our co-host, Brad from QTB. Hey, what it do, Bruno? My numero uno on this podcast, Bruno. (laughs) What's going on, dude? Dude, I am so excited to be kicking this off. I'm actually a big horror movie fan not not gory but horror so and you know we'll we'll kind of get into that uh, as we talk about these different horror movies but each month on this podcast we have a new theme featuring movies and television shows that you gotta watch and this month's theme is halloween horror That is what I'm talking about, Bruno. It is the best time of year. (laughs) Halloween is here, and that means those horror movies are aplenty, and we're kicking it off with a great one today. I am super excited for this one. I I would say this this might be the movie that got me into horror movies, if you want to consider this a horror movie. But we're going to be talking about the 1996 classic Scream. We've got a horror, it's a, it's it's labeled as a horror mystery and maybe even a comedy if you want to go that far, but it's rated R, it's directed by the infamous Wes Craven, the same guy that brought uh, nightmares to Elm Street, right? <laughs> That's essentially what he's known for. He was, he was craving another Halloween horror film, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Whoa! There's our, there's our, uh, our wonderful laugh track there from the audience. We really do appreciate them. Anyway, this movie stars, it's got, a, I would say by today's standards, definitely an ensemble cast. We've got Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Skeet Ulrich, which is just a great name, Skeet Ulrich, uh, Drew Barrymore, Rose McGowan, Matthew Lillard, and the very funny Jamie Kennedy, as well as uh, Henry Winkler is in this. You know, the Fonz? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't want to give him they didn't want to give him a credit though. They wanted they wanted to keep yeah. him under wraps. No Halloween pun intended. Yeah, he just he, he was like, you know, I'll do it. No big deal. Just throw in my jacket and we'll be we'll be we'll be kosher. Well, each each episode we like to pick a tagline that is our favorite that kind of sums up the movie series. Brad, you you hit him with yours first. What do you got? What tagline out of the list here is your favorite? I got to go with the someone has taken their love of scary movies one step too far. Solving this mystery is going to be murder. Yeah, there we go. Or or maybe Yeah. Or <laughs> gas. Or gasp. Um, I, I like that one. I, I also think this one is a really good one. From the first name in suspense comes the last word in fear. 
I think that's a really good one. But there's so many on here. There's don't answer the door, don't leave the house, don't answer the phone, but most of all, don't scream. And I could even, you know, I could even go in there, Brad, and I could do something like this. A new thriller from Wes Craven. Someone (laughs) is playing a deadly game. Someone who has seen way too many scary movies. Is that is that the the movie trailer guy from the nineties? <laughs> I don't know. Or, or is that my man Bruno? <laughs> That's definitely who it is. <laughs> All right. This, so we'll, this summer. This, this summer. summer. <laughs> it's exactly who it is. Right? Wes Craven's comeback to Halloween horror. This summer, double the action, triple the suspense. Little tortilla boy. <laughs> I was hoping you'd get that reference. That's a Pablo <laughs> Francisco reference out there Heck, for anybody. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. So let's, Brad, let's get, you tell them the synopsis overview, the plot summary of this film so we can get into it. For those of you who haven't seen Scream, this is what it's about. To give everyone just a quick overview, a year after the murder of her mother, a teenage girl by the name of Sydney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell, is terrorized by a new killer. Ghostface. After the death of two of her classmates, the mass killer targets Sydney and her friends by using horror films as a part of a deadly game. Ooh, now see, that's this is this is the stuff. This is what you're here for, right? But before we get started, Gotta Watch is proudly part of the Quit the Build Podcast Network. Get the latest gaming and entertainment news from Quit the Build and discover our network of podcast partners via the QTB network page only on Quit the Build. Dot com. Anyway, that was enough of that voice. <laughs> have you ever seen this movie, Brad? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have. You know, again, this is one of those where I saw it several years ago. Oh, yeah. And, and it, and it kind of became one of those where I felt like I had seen it and it was a staple in the library. But I had to pull it back off the shelf, not just for this episode, but to really remember what sets the bar. Yeah. And so uh, it's been a long time. So this is probably my third or fourth time seeing this. Did you, did you have to uh, uh, rent this or be able to find it on TV or anything like that? I was able to uh, watch this through HBO Max. It's currently okay. uh, available uh, on there. And so that's where I was able to. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I have this whole. I mean, a lot of these movies I have as as DVDs. I need to get them, get the digital versions of these or the Blu-ray combo, whatever it is to update my library. But it's definitely one of the one of the original DVDs I have in the huge little stack book of you know dvds that i had that i ended up buying when i was in my early 20s i don't know i think it was just something that during that time that before netflix was around everybody just had a crap ton of dvds and we would all go to target and grab them on the first day of the sale because they'd be like half off you remember that oh man five dollar <laughs> buckets at target or right? Walmart, bro? Yeah. yeah dude i am hey. yes and that pays off because I'm looking right now. HBO Max is the only place where they've got it streaming for free right now. Mm. Everywhere else, you got to rent it. You know, Google Play, Vudu, Apple TV, even YouTube. It's it, it's a rental right now. So sometimes having those stashed away for these moments right now is where you pay dividends. Definitely. I so I mean, obviously, being one of my favorite scary movies. Uh, let's just dive into it. I think for me. 
One of the most memorable scenes has to be the opening sequence with Drew Barrymore. I don't mean to pull a, you know, it's very reminiscent of Psycho, right? Like the very beginning of Psycho is 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 the shower scene, the mo- the most famous scene, and the most famous scene in Scream where she gets the call from the killer and what's your favorite scary movie? That is in the opening sequence of the movie. And this is really interesting, Brad, because up until, this well up until Alfred Hitchcock really came on the scene a lot of these movies you could show up late and not really miss anything it was a lot of fluff and he decided to kind of reinvent the way movies were seen and he the whole marketing campaign around Psycho from Alfred Hitchcock was you're not going to want to miss the first five minutes, right? Don't miss the opening sequence of this film. This is where everything kind of takes place and, and sets the tone of the film. You need this. And that is the opening sequence with Drew Barrymore. She's oh, she's she plays Casey Becker. She's home alone, the parent out in the middle of nowhere, really. And she gets a call, a random call from from some some creepy, kind of sultry, sexy, scary voice, right? Well, and and, t- and take it to Wes Craven for his credit. That's star power at the time. You got to remember where Drew Barrymore Drew Barrymore was in her career at that time. She was a very well known and already successful child and up and coming actor. So to have her be in that opening scene. And establish that credibility. Like I, I think that's a that was a, that was a, an intentional move by Wes Craven and the producers to not only set the bar for the tone of the movie, but also establish credibility early on, where you have someone like Drew Barrymore's status not even be the focal character. Now, this is a bit of a spoiler. We're gonna have a little bit of a spoiler here for you. <laughs> I know, I know, oh I know. Everyone's super, super going to be super pissed about this. But guess what? It happens within the opening sequence of the movie, and I think it's important that we get away with it. But Drew Barrymore's character does not last long, okay? She is inevitably killed in this opening sequence, which I think is really crazy. And this is, I mean, this is something that we have to talk about because she is plastered all over the the marketing material for this movie she is the main one of the main actresses in the in the movie poster in fact nev campbell isn't even on the original scream poster it's just drew barrymore and the fact that it was her idea she basically said hey i would love to be killed off in the opening sequence how crazy would that be west craven loved the idea and he was like let's do it so i mean for it to to kind of set that tone for the movie. It was something that we haven't really seen in a long time where this, it kind of played a trick on us, right? I would agree. I, I, again, I think for me personally, it was definitely a reminder of like, wow, like, yes, this is, you immediately are, like you said, thrown in with suspense. You're on your tip of your toes. You're on the edge of your seat. The moment the movie starts, there's no, there's no 15 minutes of, setting the, the yeah. atmosphere, setting the, the the landscape of the world of the movie of which you're operating in. It you you jump in head first. I agree. Go. It's it's definitely I think one of the most iconic scenes, especially in horror movie history. If you can only watch a little bit of this movie, at least watch the opening sequence before the title credits roll. But essentially 
I'm going to challenge you though, Bruno. I'm going to challenge you. I I agree with you there, but I'm going to go with what you said earlier. Is this a horror or is it also a horror comedy? Because for me, my most memorable moment comes later in the movie where, you know, comedic, comedic legend for myself, Jamie Kennedy, (laughs) is going through an exposition of the rules of scary movies and how to survive. And, And he goes through that. I won't go into all the details, but basically... You you know that the set the, the rules to survive are you can never have sex you can never drink or do drugs yeah. and you never ever under any circumstances say I'll be right back <laughs> and and he explains these during the party his character Randy explains these during the party which half of those have already been broken and two minutes later in that scene he's watching Halloween and telling Jamie which is his the Jamie Lee Curtis in the movie. Telling her, turn around, turn, turn around, around, watch as out, Ghostface, <laughs> as Ghostface is right behind him. And yep. so that the comedic breaking the fourth wall, calling it out and letting it dictate in the movie as he's calling it out, literally happening simultaneously for me, I was laughing my butt off in a horror movie. And, yeah. and I think that is insanely clever to be able to r- roll in and, and write in some humor into uh, a scary horror movie. Definitely. This is, out of all the horror movies you're going to see, this one breaks that fourth wall in a, in a way, not in a, in, a, in a literal way, where they're talking to the audience, but in a meta way, where they're referencing other scary movies and the, the cliches that that have been built up from the 80s and, and early 90s in, in horror movies and culminated in this they basically took all of those and said, let's make fun of them, but uh, a scary way, right? That's kind of how this came about. The The writer, Kevin Williamson, was inspired by a real-life killer who essentially wanted to become famous. And so during the court trial of this, this real-life killer, he, he was enthralled with the idea of someone only doing this for fame and that's essentially kind of what scream is about right that's the you know you'll find out later in the the movie the motive of matt damon nick get me on that because i don't want to spoil the fact that matt damon <laughs> uh yeah anyway <laughs> do something there nick <laughs> And we're back. Um, so <laughs> that's the hard thing, right? There are so many, like, it's I, it's it's such an interesting movie that I feel like all the other movies up until this point, we know who the killer is. We know who the killer is in, in Friday the 13th. It's 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 Jason. We know who Michael Myers is. It's it's this it's this guy, right? This <laughs> like is a guy. But Ghostface is this new person. And we don't know what Matt Damon's motivation is in killing. So we don't know if we don't, we just don't know anything about Ghostface as a killer. But you mentioned the scene where, you know, Jamie Kennedy is basically giving this exposition to, to everyone and saying, these are the rules that you have to survive a scary movie. Well, incidentally, the, this party scene, which is near the end of the film, runs for 42 minutes long. It's nearly, it's, I mean, it's nearly half the movie, essentially. It was shot over the course of 21 days from sunset to sunrise, which is just crazy. So as soon as the sun goes down, they're like, and we're, we're partying. 
After it wrapped, the crew had t-shirts made that read, I survived scene 118, which was the name of the scene during the shooting. And the, the cast and crew jokingly called it the longest night in, in horror history. Uh, but it was originally supposed to be at a high school, right, Brad? For those who don't know, I live out in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so a lot of these high school scenes were supposed to be shot at, at Santa Rosa High School out here in the Bay Area in North Bay. Uh, but however, from what I've been able to see that close to the shooting date, no lie, the school board had mm-hmm. read the script and seen actually what was going to happen in this movie and decided to deny the film to be shot at their high school because of the violent nature and because they thought actually the film was going to be more of a comedy. And so what's really awesome about <laughs> this funny. is that it had to shift locations from Santa Rosa to Healdsburg, California, which is just about 15, 20 more minutes north of here, uh, Santa Rosa. Yeah. And, and if you watch the ending credits, after all the actors, all the production crew, everything, they always do a special thanks to section, you know, on who to thank yeah. for the movie. And specifically under there, they put no thanks whatsoever to the Santa Rosa City School District Governing Board. And I, in all caps, and I think <laughs> that is such a passive aggressive, but brilliant move to acknowledge how this film could have been in jeopardy right the day before filming. I agree. I agree. And that is definitely one of those. I don't know if this is the right one. That's one of those. Ooh, got him moments, right? Like, no thanks to you. And I understand this is it's for all intents and purposes. It's really not that not that gory. I'd say executive producer Bob Weinstein originally approached Robert Rodriguez, who or and George A. Romero, as well as Sam Raimi to direct this, all of which are way, way gorier in terms of what they project on film. But writer Kevin Williamson said that they didn't get it. They just didn't get the the uh, the idea of the script. He was concerned that having read the script, many of the directors believed that the film was supposed to be a, a comedy. So it's interesting that we're kind of talking about, is it a comedy? You know, is it obviously the high school thought it was supposed to be a comedy too well, until they, they essentially realized that it, that it wasn't. <laughs> and I think there's some credence to that, Bruno, because even more so, I think there was a, a lot going on behind the scenes about what official rating this movie was going to yeah. get. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think what happened was the initial script had a lot of gore heavy shots and scenes and Wes Craven had to cut some of those out after it was sent to the MPAA over almost 10 times wow. for reconsideration because they wanted to give it an NC 17 rating. Yeah. And so he was cutting out more and more gore-heavy scenes to get that rating down, but Bob Weinstein eventually stepped in and had to kind of secure the R rating because what it and and and, and to keep it. I don't think anyone wants to go see a horror film that's rated PG thirteen, right? Is it me? Yeah, or, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's going to take like, some things away for sure. You know, you got to have that R rating, but I think what's clever about that is to secure that rating. Uh, they actually went to the MPAA and said that this was supposed to be a comedy and not a horror film. And that completely changed the lens at which the MPAA looked at this yeah. movie. And so the fact that they're even, in some way, trolling yeah. the MPAA by calling yeah, it a comedy. Yeah, they're pitching it as a comedy. They're like, yeah, well, we'll think, <laughs> consider it a comedy and not a horror movie. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, in that case, the 50 gallons <laughs> of blood that you use towards the end of the film, that's just, that's fine, right? Like, you know. <laughs> you, you got me there. I'm on board. <laughs> 
Oh, it says it's uh, one of the things it says is mentioned near the end of the film that they use corn syrup dyed red for the blood in several famous m- movies. And during the climax of the film, the production crew really did use corn syrup dyed red. So they did use a lot of blood there, although it's not, there's not a lot of, I would say, gory scenes in there. Maybe two, yeah, two, two, in, two in particular. But I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't enough that I felt it was, you know, truly horrifying. And I think that's what makes it such an approachable, scary movie, so to speak, that it's not exactly scary like maybe if you've never seen a scary movie in your entire life this might be a little scary for you but all things considered of all the things out there nowadays this is pretty tame wouldn't you agree yeah and i would say for me not just the fact that yeah i agree with you i think it's pretty tame in today's standards of what we've got out there on the market today but the comedy laced throughout the 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 clever writing you know i even think back that this kind of ages the movie a bit but the whole, the little scene, uh, you know, kind of, I would say, midway through the movie and and the digs, you know, the comments made about being in a Meg Ryan film or, <laughs> oh, God forbid, God forbid, I'd be, it'd be Tori Spelling, right? You know, like the names, the names and things that are called out and the, and the shade that's thrown at Tori Spelling or the credit that's given to Meg Ryan really kind of denotes this as a, as a 90s movie where those people, those folks were having peak careers in Hollywood Definitely. and, and it kind of time piecing the movie well it's funny that you mentioned that around 58 minutes tori spelling was cons- basically talks about tori spelling in the movie they said she was considered for the role of sydney prescott and at one point in the movie when they're like you said they're discussing who would play sydney's like who would play me in in the in, in the movie. movie she she says you know i i'd probably get tori spelling even though dewey david arquette says well i see you more as a meg ryan well the interesting thing is in she gets a cameo in scream 2 the follow-up sequel to scream tori spelling actually plays sydney prescott in the uh in in universe fictional film stab so the the series gets so meta that they end up creating a movie about the first movie and call it stab like that's and, how and, it's, it's a good and there's a parody a parody called scream movie Sc- about scream <laughs> as well right so i mean yeah well scary just, movie was originally it was the working title of the film um which was really interesting that they just decided to say you know we're gonna call it scary movie the weinsteins ba- basically had to pull the plug and say it's it's really gonna sound like a comedy if you have that and they wanted it to be a horror film and and they definitely got that but here's the interesting thing brad the film was released in december five days before christmas okay the studio did this apparently because during the holiday season family friendly movies are usually released and the studio wanted to give the horror audience like Something to see, especially when there's no horror movies around uh, at Christmas time. But it opened at number four with six point four million dollars, which led the studio to believe they, they they thought this thing's flopped. It's done. It's over. It you know it didn't sit well with fans or anyone. 
But the film's good word of mouth, like it was so popular that it essentially led to its success at the box office because every week after that, it stayed at the same place or, or went up. And by the end of its run, it ended up making $100 million at the box office. And this is in a time when, you know, 96, there were some good movies around 96, right? Yeah, I think, uh, if I think back, well, first of all, can we give it credit? I think it's the first ever horror Christmas movie. Can we call it a horror Christmas movie since well, it came out at Christmas? <laughs> so here's the interesting thing. It's not, right? So The Exorcist was released on December 26, 1973, and it had great success. So they thought, well, if if The Exorcist did well, maybe we can do well um, also if we release around Christmas. Which is interesting that uh, the, the, you know they decided to go that Exorcist route because Linda Blair, who's in The Exorcist, makes a cameo in the movie at around thirty nine minutes. She's the reporter that says people want to know; they have a right to know. Um, <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> So, yeah. That's a pretty good impression. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Wes Craven also cast her in Summer of Fear, which uh, was a release of his in 1978. So this isn't the first time this ever this ever really happened but it was going up against a lot of really great movies in the 90s like Mars Wait, Attacks right wasn't uh Jerry Maguire also yes, around that time yes you did the human head weighs eight pounds and this is probably one of those movies <laughs> Scream is probably one of those movies where they figured it out because they were like yep severed head no actually I don't think there's any severed heads in the movie so <laughs> actually I'm positive there's no severed heads in the movie so yeah there's no decapitation but there's lots of stabby stabbies which is why the in-house or the in-universe movie is called stab tell them about the other cameo so we had linda blair in there but there was another cameo kind of right it's 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 an interesting one because it's 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 a two-part cameo we get two yes no no yeah i know exactly what cameos are talking about uh fred the janitor it's quick yeah super quick but he's wearing a red and green striped sweater just like Freddy Krueger from a Nightmare on Elm Street film franchise. Yeah. So if you, you blink, you miss it. Yep. You and gotta watch it. Yeah. That's that's the that's yeah that's actually the director Wes Craven. Henry Winkler is getting he's the principal of the school. He's kind of getting trolled, and somebody's knocking on his door, and he's like trying to find out the you know who's doing it. What 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 little scallywag kids are doing? It. I don't know the scallywags. Is that? Is that is that that sounds like a that sounds like a pirate thing? What do you call kids who are ne'er do scoundrels? Scoundrels? I don't know. S- uh, scooters? Yep, scooters. That's it. Uh, but yeah, but if you blink and miss it, he was there in in the, the and I think those are the actual clothes from a Nightmare on Elm Street. So to have that be you know again, it's another as you mentioned earlier, a, a nod to another classic Halloween movie, and and that's I think a common thread throughout this movie is you see those references, you see those intertwine into the inner workings of scene to scene in the movie. Definitely. And we can't not talk about this, but Roger Jackson, who's the the actor who played the voice is, did an absolutely incredible job. Apparently, apparently Drew Barrymore and Nev Campbell didn't meet, didn't meet Roger Jackson. Whenever they're talking on the phone to the killer, they're actually talking to him. And none of the cast actually met him. So uh, Wes Craven thought that it would be better to bring out the shock reactions he needed from everyone when they heard the voice. And it's it's he wasn't even supposed to be the actual voice. He was like a placeholder. 
but they decided that he his contribution was was perfect, and so they they kept it. Wes Craven described it as intelligent and evil, an evil voice that would become irreplaceable to the franchise. And he's not wrong. He has been the voice of Ghostface ever since. Um, and and one of the interesting thing, Brad. During the during the filming of the opening sequence, somebody forgot to unplug the phone that Casey used to try and call the cops, and they actually called nine one one operators during Drew Barrymore's screaming for her life on the other no end. No way! Are you, are you serious? <laughs> yes. yes, they had to like call back the police. They were like, "We're sorry. We're just shooting could a you, scary movie." <laughs> could you imagine that? There's a whole scene. There's fake blood. There's knives. There's a guy in a mask. <laughs> oh my gosh! The cops show up. Like, no, no, we're gonna have to yellow tape this off. Investigate this. No, no, this is a Hollywood film. You know, film scene. We're sorry. Oh, but you are right. This is definitely. This is one of those movies, right? That I think there's there's we could go on and on and on about uh, about just all the really interesting things that have come up within this movie. I think that uh, the nods to Halloween are, are perfect. One of them that I really want to mention is uh, around 12 mil uh, minutes at the beginning of the movie when Casey's parents come home to find something is wrong. Her father tells her mother, go to the McKenzie's, which is the same thing that Laurie Jamie Lee Curtis's character in Halloween told the uh, kids she was babysitting in the movie to to do. She was like, go to the McKenzie's. And, and they even they even retroactively mentioned that in Halloween H2O, right? Did you see that? I, I, I hadn't. No, I, I didn't realize that had carried through all the way. Yeah, so in Halloween H2O, which came out in 1998, two years later, it kind of piggybacked off of this feel, right? Like these, these the, the 90s, some of these 90s movies definitely felt similar. Like I Know What You Did Last Summer, uh, The Faculty, and we'll get to that when we talk about, you know, other movies that you guys see. But uh, when well, Jamie... I, it's not even that. It's not just Halloween or 90s movies that were horrors. Uh, there's also a reference about the hour, hour and 10 minutes in. There's a clueless reference, a.k.a. Oh, yeah. one of our last movies that we reviewed here on Gotta Watch, where Randy, a.k.a. Jamie Kennedy, responds to Stu with As If with really Alicia. So, <laughs> yep, yep. you know, really I mean, Alicia. It, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there's 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 trends. There's nods and not and, and acknowledgments to not just the horror, other horror films, but also other films of the time. Definitely. I think I mean it's it's one of those movies that redefined the entire genre. And when I say that I mean that it was getting stale by this point and people were they knew what to expect and this flipped it on its head and believe me you are not going to see the ending coming if you haven't already seen this movie. Go check it out. One of my favorite running gags in the in the well, it's not really a running gag, but it's just a reoccurring bit. Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds plays in every single one of the Scream franchise films. It's that that song where he's like something in something with my red right hand. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Like your, your impressions are on spot tonight, my friend. 
Well, if you like Scream and you want to see more of this, check out the entire franchise, Scream 1, 2, 3, and 4. They even have a TV series that they did with MTV. It's kind of loosely based on uh, the, the movie franchise, so take that with a grain of salt. But they're going to be rebooting the Scream franchise in 2022. I don't know exactly what that means, but it's good to see more Scream coming to the screens. We always want Scream screens. <laughs> And I think it's got a lot of the original cast coming back oh, for it as well. Has to. That has to. I mean, we've got a right. You know, Sydney Prescott's story is not over. She will be continuing throughout all of the Scream movies until they finally decide one day her time is nigh. But if you like this, check out Halloween H two O twenty years later, or I know what you did last summer, which I believe is also written by Kevin Williamson. Uh, you can also check out The Faculty, a very uh, amazing, underrated 90s horror film, and Urban Legend, which is kind of another meta horror movie of the 90s. Great stuff. Before we get into these final ratings, today's podcast was sponsored in part by Pierce Unlimited. For marketing media that works and bespoke design to power your business, visit pierceunlimited.com. Brad, they gave this, IMDb gave this a 7.25. What was your score? After tabulating everything in my head about this movie, I'm going to come in at a solid 7.5, and okay. here's why. Okay. I, I think, as you mentioned earlier, you know, this is this really kind of helps shift the landscape and kind of freshen up the ho Halloween horror kind of film landscape at the time. I think we were needing something then, and this really kind of freshened, freshened what could be a really now a staple movie that I think I will, will continue to want to watch every year. Do, do I think there's better films out there that really hit the horror horror factor higher for me? Yes, but I do think this is a staple that has a, a great ensemble cast that going back and watching it again and again, you get new tidbits of interesting scenes or funny lines or uh, even things you notice that you didn't realize the first time you watched it. They may give you a clue or two to know who the killer may be. Yes, I'm giving it a solid 7.5. I like that rating. I kind of went a little bit higher on there. I went 7.75, giving us an average of 7.5 and a total of 22.5. So pretty dang good for, for a horror movie in terms of uh, just a great one to really start off. It's middle of the pack. In terms of what you're going to see, it's not going to revolutionize your thoughts on on horror movies, but it definitely flips that script on its head. And that's what I really like about Scream. You're right. Yeah. It's something that I can continue to come back to, even though I, I know the ending and I know what happens. It's still so fresh, right? It feels real. It's one of the movies that I feel like could actually happen. And that's something that... that you know, you'll find out means actually a lot to me when it in regards to movies. The realism of something and the way a story is told means everything. And this is definitely grounded in that realism, especially with the, the self-references and the meta humor. So uh I mean the bonus award here. I got one. What's the I got bonus one. award? Give I, I, it just came in hot off the press. Okay. Bonus award for all our wonderful uh Ladies out there, we don't forget you. The bonus award goes to Ski Ulrich. From the words of my lovely wife, 
that man has aged like fine wine. So a young Skeet Ulrich is in this movie, but he gets the he gets the Benjamin Button Award tonight because apparently he's aged like fine wine and is better looking today than he was in that movie. Well, so. I mean, he was pretty greasy haired in there. I think he got the movie because <laughs> he looked like uh, he looked like Johnny Depp. So that's kind of that, and the fact that he was in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and he also played in The Craft with Nev Campbell, who was also in The Craft. So he, that's kind of why he got the movie, but. That's that's your last little fact for this movie. We've got to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters like Nick Nick Epicapture Productions, The Dudas Monk, that's Terry, <laughs> Indie Gamiacs, and Alan Abadesta. If you would like a shout out at the end of each and every episode on Gotta Watch and Quit the Build podcast, all you got to do is head on over to Patreon. Our tiers start at $2. And with $2, you get access to all of our Gotta Watch episodes a week early. And you get a bonus Nostalgia Vault episode, which we're actually getting ready to record here coming up, which is going to be awesome. There's some awesome stuff coming to the platform. Tell them about the website, Brad. Well, I'm just on top of all of that. I mean, if you can, anyone, please check out our website, quitthebuild.com. You can find there more information about our platform of shows that are current and coming, as well as our community page and our blog. Our blog is really hitting stride with, you know, video beer game and mm. a beer inspired, uh, you know, video game inspired beers. We've got great exposés on, you know, different games, uh, how to game while healthy. We, we really cover the gambit on our blog and it's a really great way for you to become a part of the quit the bill community and even share your thoughts on, on topics in the gaming world that interest you. I agree. And you can follow us around the interwebs, wherever there's interwebs, we are there. We're on TikTok, YouTube. We've got a pretty strong presence on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And guess what? You can even chat with us on our own discord. Just head on over to quitthebuild.com slash community and you can find all of our merch there you can find more information about the patreon and all of those goodies Brad. bruno i mean i just gotta say bruno i got some of that quit the build merch love it yes quality comfort and awesome to rep the quit the build logo and brand yes and we're gonna be adding some more colors in there for these shirts soon that is on our to-do list but man this has been an awesome episode on the next episode we're going to be tackling another amazing scary movie and our halloween horrors we're going to be talking about it follows yes this is a great movie it follows i'm excited to get into that as well but until next time for brad i'm bruno and for bruno i'm brad peace out do. Promotional consideration for Gotta Watch is brought to you in part by Scallywags. Scallywags. Ah, uh, you almost had it. <laughs> <laughs>